from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Michael Day on November 27, 2017. Michael's a journalist and author of the book Journey to a Mountain, the story of the Shrine of the Bab. It's an incredible story of how the body of the martyred prophet, the Bab, was hidden for over 50 years before being laid to rest on the top of Mount Carmel in Haifa, Israel. Michael has a website devoted to the book called michaelvday.com. I started the interview by asking Michael where he grew up and what was religious life like growing up. I grew up in New Zealand, Warren. Uh, when I was a child, I was brought up as a Catholic, a member of a Catholic church. Our family was devout. I'm grateful for that upbringing because it instilled in me, I think, a discipline to regularly say prayers to be aware of the existence of God. And I think that I found that the obedience to spiritual laws was part of my life from when I was a child and then growing up. Can you describe your spiritual journey that led you to the Baha'i faith? Yes, well, when I got to my teens, I was still an active Catholic, although towards... My late teens, I started uh, not being so connected to the church. And then, by chance, I started traveling in Asia, in Southeast Asia. And when I was there, I started reconnecting with spirituality, particularly in the belief in God. And then I started noticing the beliefs and conduct of members of various religions. And this was in the 1970s. So it was the... um, the Balinese Hindu people, later on Muslim people and and Buddhists and so on, I had this uncanny feeling that there was something similar that all these religions shared, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. However, I was attracted to all of them, not so much to the outward semblances or the outward behaviours of the faith, although some were very beautiful, but more the belief in, in God, the commitment to prayer and meditation, the view that, you know, to help another person, to be selfless, all these guiding principles of world religions, there seemed to be something similar. And it wasn't until I encountered the members of the Baha'i Faith that I started to get an answer to my question, what was the connection between all the great world religions? Was there only one that was true? Uh, Were they all wrong? Or was the one that I grew up, exclusively the correct one. But when I encountered the Baha'i Faith, I started to see the unity between all the religions, that they taught the same spiritual principles, but of course the social laws and behaviour were suitable to the place and time in which they were founded. So the Baha'i Faith teaches that the time is now for a global society, the spiritual teachings that were, can be found in from everything from Hinduism, Judaism, Christianity, etc., 
are all compatible. Uh, this really appealed to me, and I found that the more I delved into it, the more I was convinced that this was true. So I'm speaking with Michael Day, the author of Journey to the Mountain, the story of the Shrine of the Bob. Michael, can you give us a little introduction of this book? Yes, well, this is a story that traces the very beginnings of the Baha'i faith in that there was a forerunner to the founder of the Baha'i faith by the name of the Bab, which means the gate. And he was born in Persia, which we now call Iran, and he said that there would be a great world teacher coming who would bring unity and uh, wisdom to the world, but that in the, in the medium term, there would be a, a period of waiting. His teaching caused ferment throughout Persia, and his followers were quickly rounded up by the fanatics, and many of them were executed. And he himself was unfairly arrested, questioned, tortured, and then eventually on the 9th of July, 1850, he was executed in Tabriz in northern Iran. His followers rescued his remains and hid them in various places in Persia for close to 50 years. Meanwhile, the great teacher of the new religion that the Bab had forecast, whose name was Baha'u'llah, meaning the glory of God, had been exiled from Persia to what we now know as Iraq, and then further exiled by Turkey to the Holy Land, which we now call Israel. So at that time, when Baha'u'llah was, as the head of the Baha'i faith, surveyed the situation, he told his uh, successor, who was his eldest son, Abdul Baha, his name was, that it was his responsibility to bring the, the remains of the Bab from Persia to the Holy Land and inter them in a suitable shrine at a, at a spot that Baha'u'llah himself indicated on Mount Carmel in Haifa, which is a city in northern Israel. So my story starts with the immediate aftermath of the execution. It follows the hiding of the sacred remains of the Bab in various hiding places in Persia over those five decades. And then when the signal was given to secretly transfer them across the mountains or through the deserts of Iran, across the hills up over the mountains into Iraq, and then across the desert to Damascus, to Beirut, and then to the Holy Land. The story continues with the building of the, or the obtaining of the land and the building of the shrine by Abdul Baha, who was himself a prisoner of the Ottoman Empire. His achievement was astounding that he was able to build this shrine in the time that he did. And then on one special day after he had been freed, he interred the sacred remains of the Bab in the shrine that he built. The story then continues into the first, that was in 1909, and then the story continues into the First World War when the Turkish nation sided with Germany. The leader of the uh, Turkish military in the Holy Land at the time became antagonistic towards Abdul Baha and the shrine and threatened to destroy it. Unfortunately for that person, the British military, who amassed in Egypt, entered the Holy Land, liberated Haifa, freed Abdul Baha, protected the shrine, and after that, there were further developments around that shrine. In 1921, Abu Baha himself died, and my book finishes with a description of his funeral, the biggest funeral that had been held, recorded in Palestine, Israel, or the Holy Land, I should say, at that time. And it's the dramatic conclusion is the 10,000 people who 
attended his funeral. Then the, that's the end of this particular book. My story continues in two subsequent books. The second one, which will be published, will, will appear in early 2018, and then the second one, not so long, a third one, not so long afterwards. So I'm speaking with Michael Day, author of the book Journey to the Mountain, the story of the Shrine of the Bob. Michael, what I find really interesting about this story about the Bob is that the authorities who executed the Bob with 750 riflemen did not want any kind of idolation of the Bob or his you know, or his remains. And so they threw the remains in a moat and then were hoping that animals would destroy the body and any, any, any remains of the Bob. As a result, his remains would be lost. But due to circumstances, which I think you explained probably in the book, his remains were saved. And after 40 years of this travel, I guess it was 40, you say? Well, uh, it was actually more than 40 because by the time he was executed in 1850 and his remains reached the Holy Land in, um, in 1899, so it's, mm. you know, it's close to 50 years, in fact. Right, and if you look at a picture of Mount Carmel today and you see this glorious gold-domed shrine of the Bob announcing to the world the prophetic mission of the Bob, it's like the course of events could not be stopped by a government who tried in every vein they could to prevent any kind of commemoration of who the Bob was. So I just find the story just amazingly spectacular. So I, I'm eager for readers of your book to really find out the, the efforts that were made by the Bobbies and the Baha'is to protect the remains of the Bob and bring the Bob's remains to a resting place very much suitable to a shrine that reflects his importance in history. So uh, I'm speaking with Michael Day, who has corrected me in the name of the book. The book that he's written is Journey to a Mountain, the story of the Shrine of the Bob. So Michael, what inspired you to write this book? Well, I was sitting in Haifa and I was reading a book about the history of the Baha'i faith and in particular the history, an abbreviated history of the Shrine of the Bar because a longer one hadn't been written. And I was reading a particular section and I jumped up when I read it because I thought this is a story. And as a journalist, I seem to, uh, I've been trained to identify uh, when something will appeal to people, and maybe I could read the little uh, passage out that was what, what was what kick-started me into taking interest in, the, in the writing the story. Sure. So basically, the, where the shrine was going to be built, and this is on Mount Carmel in Haifa in northern Israel, which is, wasn't Israel at the time, but is now Israel, there was an obstacle because the deputy governor of Haifa, he was known as the Kaim Makam, he refused to issue a building permit. He said it needed the consent of the Ottoman Sultan in far off Istanbul because at that stage the Ottomans were ruling the Holy Land. Anyway, he said that the building couldn't go ahead without this consent. So let me take up the story as I've written about how 
the builder of the shrine, his name is Abdu'l-Baha, the son of the founder of the Baha'i faith. Let me take up the story about what happened. So Abdu'l-Baha knew that any application sent to the imperial capital would raise suspicions in the mind of the Sultan and could lead to a prohibition on any building work on the site. He went in person to see the Qayyim Makam to see if he could influence him to change his mind. That official said he had no personal enmity to Abdu'l-Baha, but admitted he was afraid to take on the responsibility of agreeing to the permit. There was a dramatic conclusion to this episode, as Abdu'l-Baha later described. We left his office together. I thought if I accompanied him to his house, it might be fruitful. We arrived at his door, but I noticed that it was useless. He climbed the first stair, then the second stair, and as he was putting his foot on the third stair, he just collapsed and died. I called out, Kaim Makam, Kaim Makam. No use, he was dead. That unexpected and dramatic death removed the bureaucratic barrier to the construction of the shrine. So when I read that, I thought, this has got to be one of the great stories I could possibly write. And then I was also stimulated by the, my curiosity into what actually happened in the years that the sacred remains of the Bab were concealed in Persia, now Iran. There were broad references to it, but nothing much in detail at all. And I thought there must have been amazing adventures, amazing dramatic incidents, dangers, successful strategies, all that kind of thing. But I couldn't find anywhere where it had been written other than in the broad, in the most broad detail. So I set about thinking that would make a very good story if I could tell the story of the Shrine of the Bab from beginning to end, from the time just after the Bab was martyred right through to the end, to the building of the Shrine in 1909, and then the later additions of a superstructure and terraces leading right up to 2011. So, but anyway, I, had, I started researching on the concealment and transfer of the remains as my first objective. So I'm speaking with Michael Day, author of Journey to a Mountain, the story of the Shrine of the Bab. Michael, do you have another excerpt you'd like to read from the book? I do, but I could tell you, first of all, that the research that leads up to the, the dramatic conclusion of the book first of all, identified some dramatic moments in the concealment. Because as you can imagine, when hostile authorities are trying to locate these sacred remains of a religious leader that they detest, they will take um, extreme measures, there could be all sorts of dangers to those who are seeking to conceal them. So what I could tell you about is that one incident, for example, that happened, one of the dramatic incidents was when they were looking for a place to hide it, they had gone out of the city of Tehran and were looking for a, whether they could hide the, the remains in a mosque, in the wall of an old mosque. So I'll just read out what happened. The story, I think, speaks for itself. So this is about the two people who are carrying a small wooden container that carried the remains of the Bab. As soon as they had finished their secret mission, they left for a village nearby to spend the night. What they didn't know was that others had been watching. Something prompted the men to return to the hiding place the next day just to check that all was well. 
One of them, named Jamal, had a faster mule and arrived only to find that somebody had dismantled the wall and broken into the casket. When his companion, Akund, arrived, he found his friend extremely distressed. But when they checked, they found that the weight of the casket had not changed and the remains were clearly intact. Obviously, the grave robbers had been looking for valuables and when none were to be found, left the casket in its place. Jamal's extreme distress was transformed into exhilaration. The two then decided they had to get out of the area quickly and head back to the city. They rode towards the city gates, one holding on to the casket that was placed in front of him on the mule. But their anxiety returned. What if the gatekeepers wanted to inspect the load? That was a real possibility. Questions would be asked. The casket and their very lives would be in peril. As the men were devising a plan, a thunderstorm hit. It proved a godsend. People coming from the direction of the shrine of Abdul Azim rushed for the city gates to avoid the driving wind and rain. Akund and Jamal used the crowd as a cover to push past the gatekeepers into the city. With enormous relief, they found their way to the house of a follower of the Bab, Hassan Bazir, who had recently passed away. Judging it a relatively safe place for their purposes, the men concealed the casket in the basement. They quickly rented the house and moved in with one purpose in mind, to protect the sacred trust. Now, incidents like this happened quite a few times, and I record a few of them in my book. So I'm speaking with Michael Day, author of Journey to a Mountain, the story of the Shrine of the Bob. So, Michael, where can folks find your book? They can find it through the publisher, which is uh, George Ronald. So it's www.grbooks.com. G for George, R for Ronald, books, plural, dot com, grbooks.com. But they can also find it by Googling, and I'll find at the Baha'i Bookstore in the United States. Shortly, a Kindle version will come onto the market. The story really takes off after the concealment of the sacred remains of the Bab. The story takes off because how did they get it from Persia to the Holy Land? It's a long way. It's uh, 2,200 kilometers, longer than from say, uh, Boston to Miami, longer than London to Moscow. How did they get it there? The amazing thing was I found out after researching and old documents, letters, all sorts of other sources. Remember, it was highly secret, so it was any information was kept close to the chests of those involved. Nevertheless, in these days, we were able to find these documents in various sources and from working out from scraps of information to more detailed information to plotting the direction of those who were carrying the coffin containing the remains, I managed to work out the direction they took, managed to draw the map and find out some incidents that happened on the way. And basically, in summary, the astounding thing is that the sacred remains of the Bab were not carried on a horse or on a mule or they were actually carried in what we call a running throne, which is, you might know it as, in another word, as a palanquin. In other words, it's a box carried by men who are holding poles at the front and holding poles at the back. And it was quite common in the Middle East to carry special, valuable items or books in such a manner. And the astounding thing is that they carried it on foot all the way from Persia to Beirut. To me, that was quite a a stunning research discovery and the more I found out the more I was amazed at the story that was unfolding ahead of me. 
So I'm speaking with Michael Day, Journey to a Mountain, the story of the Shrine of the Bob is his book that he's written. Michael, anything else you'd like to say? Well, anybody who's been to Israel will know the city of Haifa. It's a uh, beautiful city. It's one to the north, not so far from the border of Lebanon. It's the third biggest city after Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, a port city. Now, Mount Carmel, for those who don't know, is the steep rise that comes up from the port. You, you arrive in Haifa at the port, then after a kilometre or so, this big steep slope appears in front of you, and that is where the shrine is today, and that's where the shrine was built. And in my book, I talk about how the shrine was built by a person who was actually a prisoner of an imperial sultan, how he managed to use his prayerful attitude, the loyalty of some of his followers, and his persistence to establish this mausoleum, in fact, which is halfway up the slope of Mount Carmel. The original building, of course, is still there, but it's surmounted by a superstructure and a dome. When you go there, it will strike you as, when you think about it, how astounding it was, how this building came into being. And certainly, the more I researched it, the more amazed I was at this story. I came over to the United States because the Baha'i community of the United States has been established for a long time. In fact, the first Western pilgrims that came to the Holy Land to see Abdul Baha, the builder of the shrine, came from the United States and the United Kingdom. And when I went to the archives of the Baha'i community in Chicago, researching in the archives, I found some historic photographs, many of which have never been published before. And I was able to include some of those in this book. There are a lot of photographs in the book. There's 44 pages of photographs as well as the text. And I've tried to tell it in a, in a compelling way so that people will get inspired by it and get thrilled by the incredible drama of the story that, that unfolded before me. What I did was I, I thought, now how, how should I write this story? And I decided that I'd write it in a general narrative way for anybody who needed an explanation about, for instance, about the Baha'i faith or about who the Bab was, the significance of the shrine to the followers of the Baha'i faith, the history of Mount Carmel, Instead of slowing the story down, I used annexes instead, or you could call them appendices. So the first one is on the Bab himself. So it gives a biography of the Bab. tried to make it very easy to read with dot points and short paragraphs, and hopefully convey something of the spiritual magnificence of this uh, spiritual figure that was the forerunner of Baha'u'llah who founded the Baha'i faith. And then the spiritual significance of the shrine, why do we place so much importance on it? And I describe that in a few pages. And then talking about the Holy Land and, and Mount Carmel, I mean, we know the Holy, the history of the Holy Land, all of us from Christian, Jewish, Islamic background, we're, we're all steeped in this history. And I go through the history of the Holy Land and Mount Carmel, associating it with the book. And then the last two uh, appendices are prayers or scripture that relates to the shrine in particular. So that I hope that the story is accessible to people haven't heard much about the Baha'i faith in the past or, and who are new to it, and to all those Baha'is who are quite familiar with the general story but who don't know the full detail. And if you want to look more at some excerpts, you can look at my website, which is www.michaelvday. It's 
my middle initial is V for Vaughan, so it's michaelvday.com, www.michaelvday.com, and I have a few excerpts from that and some photographs, so if you're interested in getting some preliminary information, you can look at that website. So I'm speaking with Michael Day, author of Journey to a Mountain, the story of the Shrine of the Bob, and I want to make sure folks understand, especially those from a Christian background, that the Bob's messianic mission has very many parallels to Jesus's story in the gospel. So I won't say any more than that. Readers can read your annex to the book on the synopsis of the Bob's life, but it is quite an amazing story about the Bob. I think that there are many aspects to it, of course, the concealment of the sacred remains, the transfer of them in secret by foot for more than 2,000 kilometers, the dramatic arrival in the Holy Land, and then the building of the building itself, of the shrine itself, and then there's a very dramatic scene. Perhaps I could read just before the sacred remains are interred. I think that might be of interest to convey something of the, the deep spirituality, the drama that is at the heart of the book. That would be great, Michael, please. The sacred remains of the Bab had arrived in, in Haifa. Now is the time for them to be placed in, a, in an alabaster sarcophagus, which is in a vault underneath the shrine. This sarcophagus had been made in Burma, the country that we now know as Myanmar, and transported by ship to the Holy Land. It was placed underneath the shrine in this vault. And what was going to happen on the on the day of the interment in 1909 was that Abdul Baha was going to place the small coffin containing the, the remains of the Bab into that sarcophagus. I just want to repeat the date, Michael, in case people couldn't quite get that. It's 1909. 1909, yes. Thank you. It's on the 21st of March, 1909. So in the book, I describe the placement of the sacred remains in the sarcophagus, but I thought I'd just introduce it rather than spoil it for people who are going to read the book. I'll just introduce what happened just prior to that, the climax of the story. On that auspicious night, Abdu'l-Bahá entered the rear eastern room of the shrine, the place from which the stairs descended to the corridor that led to the door of the vault. As he stood there in that dimly lit room, he removed his turban. His shining white hair fell its full length to his shoulders, merging with parts of his beard, framing his noble head. He removed his shoes, his bare feet firm on the stone floor. Then he took off his dark outer cloak and cast it aside, leaving him standing there, barefoot, bareheaded, and wearing simple white garments. Few of the others in that room had seen him without his formal attire. It was a scene of humility, yet majesty too. But there was little time to absorb the vision in front of them, because he could wait no longer. It had been 18 long and often agonizing years since Baha'u'llah had commissioned him with the historic task of bringing the sacred remains from Persia and then interring them deep in this holy mountain. With rising emotion, Abu Baha moved down the wooden stairs and along the corridor and entered through the unlocked door into the vault. So what happens next? Well, that's for the book to tell you. <laughs> that's great, Michael. So I'm speaking yeah. with Michael Day, author of Journey to a Mountain, the story of the Shrine of the Bob. Michael, thank you so much for sharing this book with us. You're most welcome, Warren, and I hope that people who read it enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Michael Day. 
author of the book Journey to a Mountain, the story of the Shrine of the Bob. You can find his website at michaelv, as in Victor, Day. Dot com. That's michaelvday.com. You can find this interview and other interviews at abahaiperspective.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching for A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website baha'i.org or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
whatsoever holy souls drawing on the powers of heaven shall arise with such qualities of the spirit and march in unison rank on rank every one of those That mighty ocean will be Even as the battalions Of the concourse on high And what a blessing that will be When all shall come together
Of the 
This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM. 
your Valley Free Radio station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.